Welcome to the Wrestling Rodeo Podcast. I'm your host, Paul, and as always, my co-host, Mitch, is with me. Hi, everybody. We're currently going back in time to the late 1980s and talking about some classic Stampede Wrestling. In this episode, we're discussing shows that took place in July 1987 and September 1987. One of these shows was aired in August, but was previously recorded in July. For the sake of this podcast, we will be speaking about these shows in the sequence that they were originally aired. Starting off with the first show, July 17th, 1987. The first match, The Great Gamma Singh defeats Gilles de Fosse. It was amazing to see Gamma Singh back. A couple months before he had lost that loser leaves town Russian chain match against the Viet Cong Express number one. And he's back. But interestingly, they refer to it as a suspension, not a lost match that caused him to leave the promotion. Well, you know, that worked quite well because a lot of us in the 80s didn't have the best attention. But it was only... But it was good to see... It was only five months? Yeah, well, you know, you make it up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really good to see him back, although they did kind of snub him. And give them the first match of the night instead of later in the card. Well, and the commentary team was talking about that during this match. But really, probably one of my favorite wrestlers in Stampede. So really great to see him back. And he exhibited all his skills in this match. Yeah, he didn't cheat as much as he usually does in this match. The, the match ended when Gamma slapped the Cobra hold on Tejil de Fosse. And the commentary team just went wild for it. They were saying it's the Indian version of a sleeper hold and Gilles de Fosse went out really quickly and Gamma won his return match. They said the match length was just shortly over five minutes. Yeah, so a good warm-up for the card, but yeah, and not a battle by any means. Immediately after that, we went to a promo with Karachi Vice. Makin sings in the ring. Gamma sings in the ring. Makin sings calling out Owen Hart. Gamma Singh's claiming he was suspended for throwing fire into Owen Hart's face. Twice. Well, he said he didn't do it, but the record shows it was twice in January 1987. Well, you never know. It might have just been a spontaneous combustion and he happened to be close. (laughs) A spontaneous combustion that was isolated in Owen Hart's face. (laughs) These things happen. I've seen them on uh, the science shows. <laughs> uh, Gamma comes out. He says he's come back to face Owen Hart for the mid-heavyweight championship. And he was told that he has to start at the bottom and work his way up. He is not happy about that, but he kind of just accepts his situation and that he's going to have to work his way up. But the best part of this promo was when him and Mock and Singh made fun of the Calgary Stampeders starting a Save Our Stamps 2 promotion, which I don't know much about the Stampeders' history around that time. They must have been facing a severe financial situation and were considering leaving. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the team we have today. There was a lot of... uh, I think they struggled on the field and financially, so it was a pretty good dig. Then those two men leave, and we have a promo with Jerry Morrow and Jude Rosenblum in the ring. 
they're both saying they're going to beat bad company later in the show. It's a very simple promo from those two guys. Uh, effective in setting the stage for later on. Jim Davies segues from that into the next or into the rest of the show by saying he's going to find out if they're going to be eating caviar and drinking champagne later in the night. This is the first time I've seen Jerry Morrow cut a promo not holding a bottle of champagne. Well, he is champagne Jerry Morrow. He is. and so It's hard to find him without one. Yeah, he definitely. But Jude Rosenblum stays out for the next match. He's the manager for Mr. Hito's opponent in this, Jason the Terrible. And anytime Mr. Hito's in the match, we've only seen him win once. So what, what happened in this one, Mitch? What did Mr. Hito do? Well, he had some good moments for a minute. But for the most part, Jason the Terrible looks like a pretty legitimate fighter. Yeah, and the, the announcers are just spending so much time putting Jason the Terrible over with what they're saying, right? They're, they're calling him a killing machine. They're calling him indestructible. They're saying that he looks like something out of a Friday the 13th film with his hockey mask and prison jumpsuit. I thought Jason the Terrible in these matches was fantastic. In all of these matches, but this one especially, he was incredible. He was really mobile for a big man. He was really fast. His power moves were great. He was hitting moves off the top rope, which you don't expect a big man to do. A couple other great great gems from the commentary team in this one. Jim Davies asking, how do you hit him in the face? And Ed Whalen going, with great difficulty. <laughs> Uh, and then Ed Whalen bringing in his hockey announcer background and going, in case you were wondering, the man behind that hockey mask is not Ron Hextall of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that was a good one. I remember Hextall back in the day. You didn't want to come near the net. He'd, he'd two-hand you with that goal stick pretty quick. Honestly, Jason the Terrible versus Ron Hextall, that might be be the match of the century that we never got to see in Stampede. That would be cool. Um, but anyway, they continue to put Jason the Terrible over big on commentary. They say that he put five wrestlers out of commission in three different promotions before he's come to Stampede. And upon arriving, because he's left that just wake of destruction, he's been ranked as third overall in the North American heavyweight title picture. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, the name of the game's getting wins. So if you're nasty while you do it, you still get the Ws. Yeah, and I briefly alluded to it before. Uh, Jason hit a diving headbutt to a downed Mr. Hito two-thirds of the way across the ring. I was really impressed by his work in the match and especially the presentation of the character because as a new wrestler into this promotion, which has some of the best wrestlers in the world. You have your Owen Hearts. The fans have seen Bret Hart recently. Um, Brian Pillman's there, and he's athletic as anyone else in wrestling history. Uh, Keiichi Yamada is here. Viet Cong Express number one. Just incredible wrestlers. And Jason the Terrible came in, and fans are probably expecting, oh, yeah, he's big, he's going to be slow. But he wrestled at a pace where he could keep up with 
all of those incredible wrestlers. Yeah, he's one of those big guys that moves like a smaller guy. Like you see him doing moves off the top rope and uh, the speed for a big guy. It was just impressive to watch and a little bit scary for the smaller guys because, you know, it's bad enough when these guys are that much bigger than you, but when they got the speed too, it's scary. Absolutely. And I mentioned a couple guys that are in the next match. So we'll move on to the next match. Viet Cong Express, number one and number two, defeating Keiichi Yamada and Keith Hart. This is the first time I've ever seen Keith Hart actually wrestle. When I was a kid growing up in Calgary, Keith Hart would be a substitute teacher very frequently, especially for uh, phys ed. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, we didn't have that in Lethbridge. So Keith Hart would always come out uh, and he would wear these cowboy boots slash running shoe hybrid boots, I guess. And he would be in his his jeans the entire the entire class and he'd get out there and be running us through like soccer drills in a soccer component or a module of his ed class and it was such an insane sight to see you could tell he had a bit of an athletic background while he was doing it but seeing him wrestle was kind of surreal for me because i was always just picturing this this substitute teacher that i had yeah, I, I remember watching him back in the day, and I, I don't recall he ever had a substitute teacher character. <laughs> Although they probably should have busted that out. Well, they probably should have. Uh, but this match was really a feature for Keiichi Yamada, um, who ended up being Jushin Thunder Liger after leaving Stampede. Um, this match was really good, and I feel that we say that a lot then these teams get together via Kong Express and Keiichi Yamada and whoever's tag team partner is. We really say these matches are incredible and I don't want to downplay just how good they are. So me saying they're incredible isn't just lip service. If our listeners have a chance to watch these matches, they definitely should if they're fans of tag team wrestling. Yeah, like, you know, when I say a match is incredible, what I basically mean is if those guys were fighting in Edmonton tomorrow, I'd drive up. Maybe not tomorrow because we still have the COVID pandemic going on. Let's be realistic here. If that show was going on in Edmonton in October, I would be booking hotel rooms for it. <laughs> there you go, yeah. But I'd still, I, I would go out of my way to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good way to put it. This match was really good. So much action going on. Y- Yamada throwing Viet Cong Express out of the ring between the second and third rope. Because if he goes over the top rope, Mitch, it's a what? Red card and a disqualification. He throws him out, but then Keiichi Yamada does a dive over the top rope himself, which is not a disqualification because he wasn't throwing. And commentary really hypes this up and says there's two guys in Stampede that are athletic enough and bold enough to go after their opponents in such a way. Keichi Yamada and Owen Hart. And that line alone really puts Keichi Yamada up the ranks of that mid-heavyweight division. And especially the fans of Watch at Home going, oh man, this guy is... Ed Whalen just told me, this guy is one of two guys and the other guy is Owen Hart. Holy shit, this guy's something special. Yeah, that just almost automatically puts you over. 
But the interesting part of this one at the end, Keith Hart gets distracted outside of the ring by someone dressed up like Viet Cong Express number three, which is how I will refer to him for the rest of this, this match summary. Um, this Viet Cong Express number three pushes Yamada off the top rope and into the ring and then gets in the ring and pins Yamada for the win. And Ed Whalen and Jim Davies are going ballistic. They're saying that Viet Cong Express is Gamma Singh. Um, but the really, the really telling part here is the other Viet Cong Express, Viet Cong Express number two, isn't celebrating with Viet Cong Express number three like he normally would Viet Cong Express number one. Yeah, he almost seems to be avoiding him. Yeah. Or he is avoiding he, He's very hesitant. And at no point does he – he gets his arms raised by the referee and puts them immediately back down and just looks over at Viet Cong Express number three. And you can tell that it, it wasn't a plot that those – that Gamma Singh had hatched with the Viet Cong Express. Viet Cong Express didn't know that was going to happen. Or it could be that particular Viet Cong Express that- Viet Cong Express number one later unmasked himself and became Hiro Haze and was a babyface for the rest of his time in Stampede. Yeah. So I don't think he hatched the scheme with Gamma Singh and Viet Cong Express number two was in the ring and confused. So I think Gamma Singh hatched that one up with Makin Singh and was just trying to get Viet Cong Express on his side to start getting the numbers advantage because you had Keith Hart you have Keishi Yamada, Owen Hart, and Bad Company, the team of Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart. Well, Karachi Vice is outnumbered for the first time in these shows. Which is good to finally see. They've been, uh, they've been taking a beating for a while. And we get an Owen Hart promo next. He's talking about Mock and Singh challenging for the North American Heavyweight Championship and Gamma Singh challenging for the Mid-Heavyweight Championship which at the time Owen is the double champion. Owen says that he dislikes Mockin Singh more than any other wrestler that he has ever wrestled. And that when he steps into the ring with scum like Mockin Singh, he won't quit no matter what he throws at him. He can try to break his ribs. He can try to blind him, but Owen won't stop. And when he's finished with Mockin Singh, he's coming after Gamma Singh and he'll get rid of both of them, cleaning up the rings in Western Canada. Yeah, it was a really good promo. He he definitely knew how to talk back in the day. Yeah, he had this charisma which just felt so authentic and really connects through TV well. It, even 33 years later to me who never actually watched him wrestle for Stampede. Yeah, he definitely he was definitely a fan favorite and there was a good reason for it. You just you know, when he'd start getting fired up, it fired you up while you were sitting on the couch watching him. He really brought you into the show. For sure. And going from Owen Hart, who fires people up, over to the next match, the tag team of Bad Company, Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart, who are always fired up, and they always fire up the crowd. They defeat Jerry Morrow and Jude Rosenblum. And this one, it, it starts off pretty simple, where Morrow throws Pillman into the ring and Rosenblum's working over Pillman's eyes. He's dragging him along that top rope. And then Moro slams Pillman, does a diving headbutt to the back of Pillman's neck. 
and goes for the pin, but Hart is in to break up that count. Yeah, we're starting to see the good guys beat a little more, I think. Yeah, you're starting to see them give it back to the bad guys and start using some of those tactics that the bad guys are using successfully. But Hart breaks up the pin, and then Pillman tries to fight Morrow off. Morrow throws him back down, tags in Rosenblum, uh, keeps working the midsection. Some fast tags between Morrow and Rosenblum. Morrow ends up hitting Pillman with this neck breaker, and the ref's counting one, two, and at two and a half, Pillman gets his foot on that bottom rope, and it's a rope break. And you can see the frust- you can see the frustration start to come to the start to bubble to the top of Jerry Morrow, and he's getting angry at the ref and. He hauls Pillman up and he tries to Irish whip him, but Pillman reverses and ends up catching Morrow in a sleeper. Morrow calling his valet up to the apron to distract the referee, and then he just uh, mule kicks Brian Pillman in the groin. Yeah, the old standby. A little shot in the crackers. To quote Boss Rutten, legendary MMA fighter Boss Rutten, everybody underestimates a kick in the groin. (laughs) <laughs> so true but uh, Morrow then goes for a run and clothesline Pillman was able to recover enough to duck it and hit him with a flying elbow and tag in Bruce Hart Hart's in control of Rosenblum and Rosenblum's a manager he's not a wrestler right Hart whips Rosenblum into the ropes on the other side of the ring tags in Pillman Pillman hits a flying crossbody off the top rope uh, Pinfall victory, bad company are your winners. And the really interesting part of this match happened after in the promo for me, where Hart is talking up Viet Cong Express as the next challengers for their title. He says that they are outstanding competitors, but he's going to have some friends like Owen in the back, making sure there's not going to be any funny business like Viet Cong Express number three. Yeah, it's starting to seem like the good guys are getting it, but I'm not sold yet. Pillman joins up in hyping that one up and says that Vicon Express are a tremendous team with a lot of talent, but he and Hart are going to put in the time in the gym and put up a great match against them. And then just as Ed Whalen's starting to take the microphone away, Pillman grabs the mic and brings it over and says, Jude Rosenblum says that he had an incredible boxing career, but that career was really just working in a factory boxing product. (laughs) Which I love, but it's also kind of like you're just trash talking a guy you just beat and you've already started the next feud. So why? Eh, Sometimes it's fun just to give a shot, but it's a, it's a great line. Going on to the main event in this show, Mock and Singh defeats Owen Hart by disqualification for the Stampede North American Heavyweight Championship. And as always, if you defeat a champion by disqualification, the champion holds on to the belt still. This was really a, a story of referee Jurgen Herman. Am I saying that correctly, Mitch? Jurgen Herman? I believe so, yeah. And Jurgen Herman is constantly getting distracted by the entourage of Mock and Singh. Ed Whalen had some great lines here. It's no surprise that he's missing the fight 
He usually misses the fight. Herman is out to lunch, and it's a long lunch. Two martini special. Yeah, although in his defense, there were, was it three or four people that were constantly on the apron? And I won't say interfering, but distracting. Yeah, there were there were four. It was uh, he had to deal with Mockinsing. He had to deal with Gamasing on the outside. He had to deal with Mrs. Honey, and I think th- there was there was a fourth one, but I'm not quite sure her name. Yeah, it seemed like every minute there was someone up on the apron doing something. Because I remember thinking, you know, they, they're going to need a cage at some point. True, but he, either way, Mitch, how dare you take the side of referee Jurgen Herman? He's incompetent. He doesn't know how to referee well at all. He's getting distracted and Mockensing's dropping Owen Hart crotch first onto the top rope. He's getting distracted and Mockensing's throwing Owen Hart over the top rope, which should have been a red card and a disqualification. Herman is distracted again and then mock and sing throws owen hart over the top rope again should have been a double disqualification oh he's useless as owen hart battles back into the ring mock and sing locks in a bear hug on him in the middle of the ring another move that we don't see very often and our good friend dax he always says why don't people bring back the bear hug well it's kind of a slow move, I think, if you know what I mean. It, it is a slow move. It really slows down the pace of a match, but it works really well if you have someone that has such a huge size advantage like Mockensing has over Owen Hart. Yeah, it's a, it's a good move. I remember back in the day, it was used a lot. I, I got to think it's a opportunity to both push your opponent and get a bit of a rest so it's surprising it's not used more yeah owen hart battles into the corner gets the rope break throws a couple of short punches creates some space between him and Mockin sing and reverses an irish whip into the opposite corner by Mockin. and all of a sudden owen hart the light switch went on and he's on the offensive and a big drop kick from owen really puts Owen in control here. And Owen's going corner to corner. He's smashing Mockin's head into turnbuckles. He's hitting Mockin with suplexes. And this is Owen Hart. He's not a big man by any stretch of the imagination. And he's suplexing a 400-pound Mockin sing around the ring. Yeah, that was an impressive move. It cannot be easy to lift that guy over your head. Well, he did a couple of them, right? He did that first suplex, just the side suplex, uh, and then followed that up with a diving headbutt for a two count. He's firmly in control. He backs him into a corner and then does a big belly-to-belly suplex on the big man. And then he goes for the diving headbutt, and Gamma Singh gets involved. He grabs Owen's leg, and Owen falls down to the mat hurt. Struggles to get back up to his feet into the corner. And here comes Mock and Singh, like a freight train, hitting Owen with a Karachi crunch. He goes for the pin. And who runs in to save Owen Hart? It's not Brian Pillman. It's not Keith Hart. It's not Bruce Hart. 
it's Keiichi Yamada. He runs in and kicks Makin in the head while he's going for the cover, which means Makin wins by disqualification. But Owen holds on to the championship. Yeah, it was a beautiful save. And Yamada is briefly held by Makin Singh, and Gamma Singh is setting up to attack him. And Owen hits a big drop kick on Gamma Singh and sends him tumbling straight out of the ring. And then Yamada breaks free and does the same to Makin Singh. How did you feel about seeing Keiichi Yamada come in and save Owen Hart? I really liked it. He's, you know, he's one of the best performers there. And to see the good guys kind of rallying around each other and, and not just, like you say, not just another heart or, you know, it seems like the good guys are kind of banding together. Yeah, like they're working against a great force of evil, almost like the resistance banding against the Empire in Star Wars. Yeah. But Owen Hart cuts a great promo saying that Yamada interfered just because Makam was trying to cheat to win. And then he says he's issuing a challenge. The team of Keiichi Yamada and Owen Hart are going to try to get Makin Singh and Gamma Singh out of Stampede. Makin Singh tried to put him out, but they never succeeded. And now he has Yamada by his side, so they're going to turn the tables on him. Which sets up a really interesting match. Yeah, and I, I'm going to have to do some research and find out when that match happened. I feel like it probably happened at an untelevised event. Yeah, and that is the downside, is some of these, you hear about it, and then it just, the next week it's already happened, and oh yeah, it was, that was down in Lethbridge or Elton Tabor. This show was aired on August 10th, 1987, but it was actually filmed July 5th, 1987 in Raymond, Alberta. This one was really interesting because you didn't have Ed Whaling, you didn't have Jim Davies doing commentary. You had Ross Hart, and he had Brian Pillman and Mock and Singh acting as color commentators beside him. It was really different, and watching stampede i was first of all blown away by how good the wrestling was and how good the storylines were and i didn't i didn't realize how much credit i really needed to give ed whalen and jim davies for their role in making stampede what it was yeah they were an excellent frame for the picture you know and that's not that's not putting down Ross Hart because Ross Hart was an excellent commentator and the Pillman and Singh color commentary was incredible. But it was definitely a different Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, it didn't feel as comfortable as having Ed Whalen there and Davey. The, the first match we had Ron Ritchie defeating Ben Dune McDonald. This match was great and is a good example of one of the things I really enjoy about watching these shows is going back and finding these guys that are pretty unknown to fans today. I never heard about Ron Ritchie or Ben Dune McDonald, but you always hear about Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Brian Pillman, the British Bulldogs, Jim Neidhart, all these incredible wrestlers that have passed through Stampede. And for these unknown guys to... uh, 
to really stand out. Ron Ritchie is really just a shade below the hearts in terms of skill. Yeah, he was really close. And I actually been doing in this match. I liked him a lot more than the earlier one we saw him in. Yeah, he seemed more comfortable. And maybe that's because it was a smaller venue with a, a different type of fan base there. And it, it the whole show kind of felt a little bit looser, like they were having a little bit more fun out there in all the matches. It was a is a short show. There were only the four matches on it. But it felt it felt different than a Victoria Pavilion Stampede episode. Yeah, it was decidedly different for sure. But yeah, I really liked him in this match. And I, I I was kind of wondering, I think the earlier one we saw was when he partnered with Maka Sin, wasn't it? Yeah, he had partnered with Mock and Singh. He was partnered with um, Carrie Brown for a match, too, I want to say. Well, maybe he just gets uh, a little tense when he's got a partner and can open it up a bit one-on-one. Yeah, because he, he was great. But after this match, we have Mock and Singh starting a promo. He's not in the ring. He's backstage, which is a different look for Stampede Wrestling. And he, he's saying he's going to win the heavyweight championship. And then Karachi Bites are going to win the tag team champions. And then Gamma Singh is going to take that mid-heavyweight championship. And all the gold's going to belong to Karachi Bice. Very typical heel promo. Really paint by numbers. But Mock and Singh's delivery of that material was really, really good. We go from there. Owen Hart backstage in a different locker room. He's saying when they get to Fort McMurray, it's going to be D-Day for Mock and Singh. And then when he steps in the ring with Jason the Terrible, Owen Hart is going to be the baddest dude of them all and put him down. He says he's going to have a fire in his eyes when he punches Gamma Singh's face in. So Owen here is like he's selling three different feuds in the same promo and within the same 30 seconds, which... When was the last time we had seen a wrestling product where you had a champion selling three different matches with three different opponents? It feels like, especially on TV today with WWE and AEW, the champion is involved in a program with a challenger for multiple weeks in a row. And he's never really talking about three different challengers that could conceivably take his championship. Yeah, it was really interesting, and I think it's the first time we've really seen them do promos for the out-of-town shows. Because most of the promos up till this one were mostly about matches that night or along those lines. But they really seem to do a lot of uh, a lot of promos on this one for you know Northern Alberta, which is good. It's just interesting. I haven't seen that before. Like you say, it was a bit of a different show. Yeah, and we go from that match to Keiichi Yamada versus Viet Cong Express number one in a double countout. What, what, what is there for me to say about Keiichi Yamada Viet Cong Express number one? This match was a joy to watch. If you have a chance to watch it, definitely watch it. Mock and Singh is saying that watching these two is like watching two young versions of himself go at it. And <laughs> stylistically, they couldn't be any more different than they if they tried. But besides the match being absolutely incredible, it's everything you could expect from these two. They're masters of their craft. It's amazing technical wrestling. There's a little bit of flash. 
you can tell that there is an insanely competent base to their wrestling and it's just incredible solid work by both these guys to show how exciting true top end wrestling can be yeah it was an extremely exciting match and if i was to uh you know if i had to go back and pick three matches from what we've seen to tell someone to watch this would be one of the three for sure i think this would be my top match to be completely honest with you of what we've watched so far yeah it could be number one for sure but like i say for absolutely sure top three it was just a just a thing to behold yeah yamada has Viet Cong express up for a pile driver at one point and he turns himself around to all four corners of the ring while holding Viet Cong express so that the fans can all see that he's got him in that position and that he executes the pile driver but instead of going for the pin instead of going for the pin he's going for the mask of Viet Cong express and Mockin Singh chimes in in commentary. He's talking about how Yamada's a wrestler and he should be going for the pinfall or submission, not the mask. Ross Hart is trying to do his best to explain that he's trying to unmask him, to be able to identify Viet Cong Express number one, to stop the switching spots in tag matches. But to Maka, it's all about the W. So if you're not taking advantage, you're doing it wrong. Mockin Singh would say, get the W then try to take his mask off. Exactly. You beat him in the ring and then you jump him three on one and take the mask off. Mockin Singh was ahead of his time. That man was a genius. So much so and so far ahead of his time that during this match, he actually chimes in the way Yamada looks, he might want to put a mask on himself. And the best part is that Keiichi Yamada would go on to become Jushin Thunder Liger and wrestle under a mask for 25 plus years. He was a prophet. Makin Singh, truly ahead of his time, must have come back in time from the mid-2000s or something. Yamada hits a huge missile dropkick from the top rope and picks up Viet Cong Express and runs the ropes hits a huge shoulder block to Viet Cong, and they both go over the top rope at the same time and brawl on the outside. Since they both went over the top rope at the same time, Yamada didn't throw him over the top rope, and Viet Cong Express didn't throw Yamada over. Therefore, no red cards are handed out. Which was fair. They fought over the rope, not someone throwing someone over it. Yamada slams Viet Cong Express into the announcer table. Viet Cong Express smashes Yamada with a chair as the referee is reaching the 10 count and counts out both men. Just an insane match. Like, just watch it. It was, you had masterful wrestling. You had masterful color commentary by Mock and Singh that really elevated the wrestlers inside of it. He's the guy at the top of Stampede Wrestling besides Owen Hart. And he's putting these guys over huge. Like, he's talking about how incredible these guys are. And, like, he really elevated those guys in that match, in my view. Yeah, I thought he did an excellent job commentating. You know, he still had a bit of that, you know, his character where you didn't like him, but, you know, he was being fair to the guys in the ring, which I like. Yeah, he was great. Speaking of the commentary team, we lose one of the commentary team for the next match because it's bad company. Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, they defeat Jerry Morrow and Goldie Rogers in a two out of three falls tag team match. Yeah, what'd you think of uh, Goldie Rogers' hair? I forgot all about him. I I thought it was great. 
It reminds me a little bit of the wig that Khabib wears at UFC weigh-ins. But <laughs> the thing that really jumped out at me with Goldie Rogers in particular was the dye job on his beard. Oh, yeah, it was just amazing. I forgot, like I said, I can't believe I forgot him because he stands out. Definitely. And th- this one was really a, it, it was a good match. O- obviously, I, I thought Keiichi Yamada and Viacom Express number one before this kind of took the crowd out of it a little bit at the start. But the crowd eventually got back into it as, as they kept going. Moro has a foreign object in the ring and he's, he's using it. He's attacking Hart's chest to the throat. And Pillman runs in to break it up, which gives Hart space to just drop Moro, atomic drop, and then tag Pillman in. And Pillman comes in. It's the hot tag to end all hot tags. This thing is nuclear. He comes in and he's attacking both men. He's hitting huge drop kicks on both guys. He's six and a half feet in the air. And Mock and Singh is sitting there still doing color commentary. And even he's impressed by Brian Pillman's drop kicks. Well, if they were any higher, he'd go right over the guy's head. It was amazing. Pillman slams Rogers down, hits a running splash. Morrow comes in to break up the pin. Vertical suplex by Pillman on Rogers. Morrow comes in to break up the pin. Pillman goes up to the top rope, hits a huge elbow drop on Rogers. And what does Jerry Morrow do? Comes in and breaks it up. Jerry Morrow's finishing move at this point is pretty much a, a pinfall breakup. <laughs> so the, the usual team finisher for bad company, Bruce Hart whips the opponent and then Brian Pillman hits that crossbody from the top rope, right? In this one, they did something a little bit different where Pillman whips the opponent, tags in Hart, and then he leapfrogs over the running opponent who then bounces off the, the other side of the ring, the ropes on the other side of the ring, and then Hart hits him with a flying clothesline for a pinfall victory. That is such a cool tag team move. Yeah. Bad Company's so fun. If, if you're a tag team listening to this and you're wanting to figure out, oh, well, what, what can I do as a tag team? What's some cool moves? Go back and watch Bad Company. Because those moves that those guys are pulling off, 100%, they would fit in today and be some of the most over moves in any wrestling company. Well, and what I really liked is we've seen them in three matches now where they've finished three separate ways and all of them were impressive moves. Like, I really liked that. Totally. And this final match... Ross Hart's calling the action all alone. Mock and Singh is in the ring. Mock and Singh defeating Owen Hart in a non-title match. This is more mastery from Owen Hart. He's showing how quick he is. He's all over Mock and Singh. He's hanging Mock and Singh on the second rope and Owen Hart standing on his back, choking him. It's rare to see Owen Hart be the first one to get a yellow card, but he does it here. And Ross Hart offers no sympathy says it's a taste of Malkin's own medicine. Yeah, and Owen really had a fire in this one. You could, you could tell this one was personal. It, it, you know, it wasn't just about the win. He wanted to do a little damage. Yeah, and while on commercial, Owen Hart actually rams Malkin Singh's head into the announcer's table and had total control of the match. He hits a big back body drop on a 400-pound Malkin Singh. Unfortunately, Jerry Morrow comes out to distract the referee. I don't think it was Jurgen Harmon. 
but it, it works. The referee's distracted. Owen picks up Mock and Singh for a slam, but Viet Cong Express runs in and hits Owen, which makes Mock and Singh fall on top of him and into a pending situation. So Mockin ends up winning by pinfall in this fluky way. But luckily, it's non-title, so Owen Hart is still the champion. And I believe that was Viet Cong Express 3, right? Yeah, I think it was Viet Cong Express number 3, which, if you listen to the commentary team, is actually Gamma Singh. Which I could see. It looks the same. Well, one has a mask. They can't be the same person. Well, I can't be sure. <laughs> That's a mask. It's not like you put on glasses. True. But that was a really fun little show. Um, I was really glad that this was in there, even though it was from a month before the air date. It was still really fun. Four four matches, which had the, some of the best wrestlers in in the promotion, showing what they can do, and really delivering just a unique experience for Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, I was really I was really glad with this one. It was fun to watch. I saw some different things that you don't normally see, and I mean the wrestling was really good. So yeah, I really liked this show. Yeah, and Stampede Wrestling didn't have a, a show in August at all for, on TV. So the next show that we have on these tapes is September 18th, 1987, which was actually broadcast as part of TSN Wrestling. And it's a whole new introduction. You've got Ed Whalen introducing TSN Wrestling instead of Stampede Wrestling. It was, it was interesting to see that. Corporal Kirshner is in the ring with Jim Davies saying that he's been all around the world and Stu Hart called him to come clean up the ring and that Stu Hart's called the right guy. Man, a few words, but they were effective. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good promo. This one was kind of tough for me, though, because it was, the, it was the death knell of the old Stampede wrestling that I knew in that, you know, the theme music had changed. And I, I just remember that from back in the day when that music changed, it was like losing the Hockey Night in Canada theme, you know? It was, it threw So th this is pretty much the standard for all the shows after this? I believe so. I think the, uh, when they did the change, it was, and I, I didn't know why at the time, but I think once they lost the original theme music, it didn't come back. Huh. That's a shame. The original theme music is amazing. Oh yeah. It was, like I say, it was, how I always knew it. So to me, it was like the hockey night in Canada theme. It was just bum, 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 was Stampede hmm. Wrestling. This is also the first show that we actually see Chris Benoit in. Yeah, and he was, it was a definitely young Chris Benoit. Like. Yeah, but before we get to Chris Benoit, he is in the main event, a six-man tag teaming with Bad Company against Gamma Singh, Jason the Terrible and the Zodiac. But before we get there, we got to get through the rest of the show. We start off with Johnny Smith, the brother of Davy Boy Smith, defeating Mr. Hito. And this one was really an even bout between the two. There was some good technical scientific wrestling, good reversals, good hip tosses, arm bars, just good psychology of Johnny Smith targeting Mr. Hito's arm. He's hitting leg drops on it. He's doing arm bars. He's hitting stomps. Eventually that breaks down where the scientific wrestling isn't working. It's not keeping Mr. Hito down. Johnny Smith and Mr. Hito have this moment where they briefly stare at each other. And then Mr. Hito ends up punching Johnny Smith a couple of times, 
which creates some space and they both look at each other and then it's on from there. Forearm shiver to Hito's throat from Johnny Smith. He slams him a couple of times. Hito's kicking out. Hito stands back up and hits him with a headbutt. And Smith is down and he's he's not right. He's loopy. Hito locks in a head scissors on the match. And the commentary team is saying that not only is the submission uncomfortable to be in, but the smell of Mr. Hito's feet is a total advantage for Mr. Hito. Yeah, that was funny. And both men are on, on their feet, and Mr. Hito is going for a vertical suplex and then drops a knee on Smith's head. But Smith gets his feet on the rope. He starts to take control of the match. Fighting off Mr. Hito, he misses a splash from the second rope, and Hito throws him off of the ropes, leapfrogs Smith, but then Smith catches him in midair for a power slam. Great strength showing by Johnny Smith in catching a fully grown man and then power slamming him. I'd love to see that move come back too. Like watching these. Yeah, that was a good move. Watching these tapes is really bringing just an appreciation for the old school moves, the bear hug, this this power slam catching out of midair, the the combination, the tag team combinations from Bad Company. The the moves here are it's such a rich resource for wrestlers and. We saw heavy metal bring back the Steiner screwdriver before all the COVID pandemic really went wild. I'd love to see some of these moves be brought back. Oh yeah, for sure. There's definitely some stuff that would translate well to today's wrestling. Absolutely. And off of that power slam, Smith gets the pinfall. From there, we go to a video promo from Jason, the terrible and Zodiac. And it's a really unique promo visually. The videos inverted it's it's slanted um so it's almost like the uh star wars scroll when you have the text scroll up from the top to the bottom and it gets smaller like it's going away from you perspective that video is slanted that same way it's inverted the audio is distorted zodiac is telling bad company that they're coming for the titles the universe is closing the door so there's nowhere to run nowhere to hide you will have to face our dynamic of evil once and for all which is the most apt description of the universe i've ever heard (laughs) and i don't know why but this promo reminded me of the old atari it was probably the sound effects right because they had voice effects so the voices were getting broken up and distorted and almost sounding a little bit like they're run through an 8-bit video game system Yeah, that could have been it. So we go from that unique promo to a classic promo. Bad Company and Chris Benoit are in the ring. They're wearing Vice Buster shirts, which feature Mockensing on the toilet with the circle and the cross over him like Ghostbusters. Yeah, those are classic shirts. I wonder if there's any around anymore. If I'm being completely honest, I would buy that shirt today if it were available. Oh, absolutely. I'm almost thinking of making one. Oh, I'd love to make one. Pillman calls his opponents three mutated abominations, which is incredible. And then he says he can't go any further than that because of television restrictions. Yeah, this was a good promo. And uh, interesting that I hadn't seen the Zodiac before, but I was really looking forward to their match later on after these promos. Yeah. 
And that, that's, that's a great comment, Mitch, because Jason the Terrible and the Zodiac are actually the cover wrestlers for this episode of the podcast. We go into the, the singles match, Corporal Kirshner defeating Goldie Rogers. Kirchner is clearly targeting Karachi Vice, but he's starting with an ally of theirs in Goldie Rogers. This is the first show I've seen an entrance be part of a Stampede Wrestling show. Kirchner comes out dressed in army fatigues. He's holding the U.S. and Canadian flags on flagpoles. He's waving them around for the crowd. Rogers gets in the ring. He takes time to take off his, his jacket. He takes time to take off his sunglasses. And he probably should have taken longer because Kirchner hits him with a huge hip toss and then a massive Samoan drop. Gets the pinfall on Goldie Rogers. 37 seconds. Yeah, this was a beat down in the message. Yeah, and we have Bad News Allen in the ring talking to Jim Davies next. It's great to see Bad News Allen back. He hadn't been on any of these other shows. Uh, but he cuts a promo. He's saying that Corporal Kirshner wearing his uniform is a joke. He's not actually a member of the U.S. Army or the Canadian Army. He's actually away without leave from the Girl Scout troop. Yeah, that was a good shot. One thing about Bad News Allen, he, he can get at you with his mouth as much as his fist. One of the most interesting things, and I didn't know this about Bad News Allen, is that he constantly refers to himself as the ultimate warrior. Oh, yeah, he always did back in those days. Right, which, which is... Insane to me because I, I wonder if that's how the Ultimate Warrior actually got his name. If someone just heard Bad News Allen say this and we're like, that's a great name for this guy's character. Oh, it would be Bad News Allen. No, not that. The Ultimate Warrior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so from that, that promo, which I, I love that line about the Girl Scout troop, we go to a tag team match. Jerry Morrow and Mockin Singh defeating Hirohaze, the unmasked Viet Cong Express number one, and Viet Cong Express number two. He's dropped the Viet Cong Express number one gimmick. He's working under his own name. Commentary says that Singh and Moro are the number one contenders to the tag team championship, and that the Viet Cong Express, or whatever their name is now as a team, are the number three contenders, which really lays out the importance of this match well. Yeah, it sets it up well, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where week after week I've been hoping for the Vietcong Express number one to get a championship shot because he's one of my favorite guys. So, you know, I was kind of pulling for them, although this card was a little different where you they had traditionally good guys fighting each other and the traditionally bad guys fighting each other. So it was a little bit odd figuring out who to cheer for. Yeah, but the story they told here was that Vietcong Express was upset with Karachi Vice because of Vietcong Express number three slash Gamma Singh's constant interference. Yeah. Anyway, we pick up in the middle of the match as we usually do a stampede. Haze tags in and Makin Singh's offering him a handshake. And obviously, Makin Singh offers you a handshake. You should be cautious and hesitant to shake his hand. And instead, take down Mock and Singh and control his leg while tagging in Viet Cong Express number two. 
and then Viet Cong Express number two and the former Viet Cong Express number one, Hiro Haze, are really just controlling Mackensing's leg for quite a while. Uh, they're dropping knees onto Mackensing's leg. They're doing ankle locks. They're doing toe holds. They're just really working the leg to keep the big man down. Doing the wishbone. Which is a really smart decision. Like that's exactly what they should be doing. Uh, Mockin battles to the corner and tags Moro in. And Haze via Kong Express don't miss a beat. And they just continue targeting the leg of Jerry Moro. Via Kong Express number two gets Jerry Moro in a Boston Crab. Mockin Singh comes in and breaks it up. Moro tags Mockin Singh back in. And then this is where the former Viet Cong Express starts to lose control of the match. Moro gets back in the ring and he's using the strings from his tights to choke Haze in the ring. And whenever the referee comes over to look at him, he puts his other arm across Haze's throat so he can't see the strings. Very smart heel work. Couple of quick tags between Makin and Moro. Control is firmly theirs. There is a very brief comeback by Hiro Haze on Jerry Moro where he hits a big splash from the top rope. Makin breaks it up. Haze gets Moro in a sleeper. Makin breaks it up. Haze starts running the ropes, but all of a sudden Viet Cong Express number two pulls down on the top rope and Haze flips over the top rope to the outside. And here comes Viet Cong Express number three slash Gamma Singh. He comes out running and he hits Haze with a pile driver on the concrete floor and then runs away. And the team of Moro and Makin Singh win via countout. What a betrayal by Viet Cong Express number two, man. Oh, big time. That's just, that's as bad as it gets. Like these guys were one of my favorite tag teams in, in Stampede Wrestling during this time. I think Bad Company edges them out in terms of being a team, but to see them get broken up, like, yeah, you're going to have incredible matches between Hiro Haze and Viet Cong Express number two, and probably Gamma Singh, which I'm looking forward to seeing, don't get me wrong, but to see the tag team get broken up, that just sucks. Yeah, and before we really got to sit, like I say, I kind of always look forward to them getting a championship shot, and you know it's not going to happen now. Yeah, well, maybe they're going to get a mid-heavyweight championship shot. And it may be that I'm I'm remembering back in the day, but I, I was kind of surprised. Not not that they betrayed him, but usually when they do that, the three of them will beat you up in the ring. So I was surprised they left him alone after that. Yeah, well, he, he was laid out on the floor, right? He never got back in the ring. Yeah, that usually doesn't stop him. We go into the main event for this show, a six-man tag team match, elimination. So you, you pin one of your opponents, he's out, all of a sudden it's three on two and so on. It's the team of Bad Company, Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, with Chris Benoit defeating Gamma Singh, Jason the Terrible, and the Zodiac. Jason the Terrible's working Benoit's leg and then drags him into the middle of the ring before flipping him into the corner and tagging in Zodiac. Zodiac locks in a figure four on Benoit in the middle of the ring, but Bruce Hart runs in and 
tries to break up the submission hold. Zodiac's right back on top of Benoit. He gets a two count. Camus sings in. Benoit is taking it to him and is able to tag in Bruce Hart. Again, Jason the Terrible really stands out here. He's pretty spectacular in the ring. He's clearly the biggest guy in there. He's significantly bigger than Bruce Hart, Chris Benoit, Gamma Singh, and the Zodiac. And he's in there against a freak athlete like Brian Pillman and two of the fastest in-ring workers. And he's holding his own when it comes to the speed that he's working at. It's almost like he's a, a Brody Lee in AEW and that he's this size, but he works like he's almost half a foot shorter than he actually is. He's this big man that feels like he can work like a cruiserweight. Yeah, he's got, you know, I'm looking forward to more more matches with him because, you know, that mix of size, power, and speed is, is just devastating and so entertaining to watch. Oh, he's, he's incredible. And uh, Jason the Terrible, it plays a major role in eliminating Chris Benoit for this match. He hits an illegal diving headbutt. And of course, he's got the mask on. So the effectiveness of that move goes way up. And Gamma Singh gets the pinfall to eliminate Benoit. I don't know why they allow him to use that mask. You would think it would be against the rules. Well, I think it's a little bit different when it's, when it's a mask, right? Like WWF let Kane wrestle in a mask forever. Oh, that's true. Right? Like I think it's a little bit different when it comes to being a part of the wrestler's gear. Because he's not going out of his way to take it off and attack the other wrestlers with it. It just happens to be on his face. That's true, yeah. Uh, but I, I am blown away by the number of diving headbutts in general in Stampede Wrestling. I know it was a big thing for Dynamite Kid. And obviously Chris Benoit's idol was Dynamite Kid, so it makes sense he would use it. But I wasn't expecting to see so many from... Owen and Jason the Terrible and everyone else that does it in Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, I didn't remember it being used as much as we've seen it. Like, it was definitely something multiple wrestlers were doing. It's the tag team champions. It's Bad Company against the team of Gamma Singh, Jason the Terrible, Zodiac, their partner, Chris Benoit, already eliminated from the match. Zodiac hits a snap suplex on Pillman, goes for the pin. Pillman kicks out at two. And then runs Zodiac back first into the corner where Jason the Terrible tags himself in and he hits Pillman with a running power slam before going to the second rope and hitting a diving elbow drop on Pillman in the center of the ring. And that, that sequence between grabbing a big man like Brian Pillman, a lot of mass there, and slamming him and then doing a dive, it must take Jason, what, three seconds to do that entire sequence. He's so quick. Jason tags Gamma in. Gamma hits Pillman with a pile driver, goes for a pin. Pillman gets his foot up. He goes for a vertical suplex on Pillman, but Pillman counters with a suplex of his own. Gamma ends up tagging in Zodiac, and then Pillman hits a running crossbody on Zodiac, and both men go over the top rope, which we had spoken about this about the previous show, where Keiichi Yamada and Viet Cong Express number one going over the top rope while fighting didn't eliminate them. But here, both men are eliminated for going over the top rope. Yeah, it was one of the match stipulations. 
Oh, was it? I missed that. You can eliminate. Yeah, you can eliminate by pinfall or by throwing the guy over the top rope. Oh, okay, that explains the finish a lot more then. Like, I, I missed that. Um, but anyway, we'll get, we'll get to the finish later. Bruce Hart's now all alone in the match. You've got Jason the Terrible, and you've got Gamma Singh in there. A, an indestructible monster and one of the most crafty and wily heels in all of wrestling. And Bruce Hart hits Jason with a flying clothesline, then an elbow drop. Gamma breaks up the pin attempt. Jason tags in Gamma. Gamma's taken into Bruce Hart. Atomic drop, standing elbow drop. He drags Bruce Hart to the corner by his arm, tags in Jason. Series of rapid fire elbows to the downed Bruce Hart. But Hart kicks out of a pinfall attempt. Jason hits him with a flying shoulder block, looking like he shot out of a cannon. He still can't get the three count on Bruce. Gamma and Jason are both in the ring and they each grab an arm of Bruce and whip him into the corner chest first. Gamma, knee drop across the jaw of Bruce Hart, can't put him away. Gamma sets him up and tries to go for a clothesline, but Bruce ducks and then counters with a sunset flip pin. Who's there? The monster. Jason the Terrible breaks it up. Gamma locks in the cobra hold on Bruce Hart but releases it when Hart reaches the ropes. Jason's tagged in, slams Bruce in the center of the ring and goes for a diving headbutt, but Bruce is able to get his foot up on the ropes. So there's a ton of near falls here. There's a lot of action. Um, And then Hirohaze comes out and he distracts both Jason and Gamma. And Bruce Hart's able to capitalize by throwing both men over the top rope, which gives his team the victory. Now, I was left a little confused initially because I missed the part where you could throw a guy over the top rope to eliminate him from this match. And I was just going, oh, shouldn't Hart be disqualified? Yeah, it was a legitimate win. And an excellent to see the good guys starting to cheat to effect. Yeah, we've seen Keiichi Yamada come out and help Owen Hart out, and we've seen Hiro Haze come out and help Bruce Hart out. It, it is really interesting, and like I said earlier, it's really interesting to see more than just the Hart family and more than just the future Hart Foundation help each other out. Yeah, and we're starting to see more and more wrestlers, which I really like. You know, there's been uh, kind of a progression of new guys since we've started watching that I, I, I really like. So if you had to pick one takeaway from these three shows, what, what would it be? What really stood out for you, Mitch? Oh, in these last three? I, I think just the depth of the, uh, the locker room that I didn't, you know, when I remember back, like you say, I remember the hearts and the gym, the anvils, but the, the talent outside of that, we're really starting to kind of showcase and see more and more of, and it's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I didn't know Keiichi Yamada Jushin Thunder Liger wrestled here. I didn't know how great Jason the Terrible was. Yeah, he was something to behold. And like I say, I, I don't even remember him from back then, and he was definitely one of the best. Absolutely. And and with that, I'd like to thank our listeners for checking out this episode of the Wrestling Rodeo podcast. 
and we'll see you guys next week with some more Stampede Wrestling action. And in the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another edition of the Wrestling Rodeo.